Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Mercy Metrics podcast. Decided to cross over the Tiger Minor League Report this evening because seems to be fitting with this. I'm Rahela Kassil. Alongside me is Duper. Chris Brown will be on shortly. He hey. is yeah, he's 90, he's 90% feeling better. So he was, it really, I guess, really kicked his ass, Duper. Really? Whatever the funk was. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. I think it was COVID, which I think, every, I mean, feel like everybody had again. So, hey, even if he's at 70, we'll take 70% of Chris over 100% of me any day. So, there we go. Yeah. It is episode 69. Nice. <laughs> nice. It's fitting because Cole Keith signed today. That was very nice. And we'll get to that. And Baltimore fans are also celebrating for a lot of reasons, too. And, they they got look their super bowl super bowl aspirations got dashed so we're getting the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers although am I allowed to say super bowl am I, I don't know the how that game. works man. the big game yes the big game big beaver road <laughs> big beaver road it's always my favorite piece of irony on the Michigan roads there that exit 69 is big beaver road so uh, before we get into the semantics of everything, it is, I just mentioned the big game and the road to Vegas goes through these two teams and better lines your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. That's there's something for everybody. So whatever you, you, you can win some money hundred different ways. So head to bet online today and stay updated on all the action. Bet online, the game starts here. So, yes, if you are the Lions, by the way, did cover the spread. I think it was a seven and a half. Right? I think they lost by three. And real quick about the Lions game. They blew a 17-point lead. And it's not this I'm not gonna say it's the same old Lions, nothing like that. They played a hell of a game. It was a learning experience for them. And yeah, that's it. I mean, there's no, there's nothing more to it. So, uh, Chris Brown, healthy. Hello. Yes. Sir. Yes. Much better. Nice. No longer on my deathbed <laughs> or, or my sleep bed. I'm sitting in a chair. <laughs> yeah. There's, well, I'll tell you. It was fun. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I just go back real quick about the game for, if you remember back to the podcast last week, gave my prediction at halftime, it's, like they were listening to me and said, hey, let's listen to you. Everything I said was going right. I was thinking, man, I, I might know something. And then it all went away in the second half, unfortunately, for the Lions. So, But they ran, they were running the ball down their throat. Uh, the game was not close. That's exactly what I thought might happen. And somehow it all changed. And it all the, you know, the Packers have had a couple of losses like this in the last decade or so that I call 40-year losses, which I mean – 40 years from now, you'll think back on that game and remember every agonizing moment of it, right? And I think the Lions Lions and Lions fans had their 40-year loss the other day. So I, I feel bad for everybody because that's it's a rough one because the, the Pack has had a couple of those, the fourth and 26th game and the 2014 yeah. NFC Championship game were brutal losses. And you think about those losses way more than you think about the good wins, sadly enough. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, I've seen uh, a couple people try to try to make the comparison to like tigers, right? And, and I've seen 
several times comparing this to the 2013 ALCS against the Red Sox. And I, and I suppose you can make that comparison in terms of like the gut punch. But to me, this is this is more like the 2006 Tigers or the 2011 Tigers, where it's this is a young, very good team. They're not going anywhere. Like nothing's promised. We know that. Uh, but uh, that that game kind of reminded me more as a Michigan football fan. It reminded me of the TCU game last year, where they made just these incredibly uh, monumental errors at the worst possible times that had the worst possible outcome on their on their. The, you know, in the Michigan game, it was they fumbled at the one and threw two pick sixes or whatever. It was just like, oh, my God, you couldn't make more more impactful mistakes. And in the Lions game, it was, you know, a 50-yard completion that bounces off your guy's face mask, right? Yeah. Like uh, a couple drops and a fumble, in, like, immediately. It, it just just boom, 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 the worst possible things that could happen, and, and there you go. And um, But, there, yeah, like I said, this this is – the 26 uh 2006 Tigers 2011 Tigers they're they're not going away they're just going to get better over the next couple of years and they should be a Super Bowl favorite for at least 3 or 4 more years um maybe not a favorite but but a, a strong Super Bowl contender maybe uh, <laughs> I, I mean you know the, I I remember earlier in the year thinking that San Francisco was a juggernaut you know when they they demolished Baltimore or no Baltimore demolished them right sorry um but they demolished Philadelphia and like you know as you said the Lions were out there and they were winning they were mm-hmm. they were shoving them around for an entire half, and then things just went sideways. So I don't know, but uh, you know, Tigers had a lot of uh, more opportunities, and and maybe they're not the best example because they they all <laughs> got away from them. But uh, can't say that they didn't have their chances. Yeah, I mean, for people to say that Jared Goff had a bad game or Dan Campbell should be fired, your get your head out of your ass. And I like Stan's comparison: the Bad Boy Pistons versus the Celtics. They had to get over the hump at some yeah. point. And I still, to this day, 40, almost 40 odd years later, still have Donnie Moe's voice in my head. <laughs> there's a steal when, by a bird. Yeah. There's a steal by a bird <laughs> inside the DJ. And like, yeah, what was that? I, that was, I think, 87, 86. Maybe it was 87. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, we've talked about this many times, but like, that's the way that sports seems to have traditionally gone. And in the, the bad boy Pistons are the, the best example of that is they had to get over the Celtics and then they had their heart broken against the Lakers the next year and they had to get over the Lakers. And then they finally found that mountaintop and they were there for two years. And then somebody else came along and uh, we talk about how in baseball, that doesn't seem to happen except for the Royals that one time where they made it to the world series at one year and then won it all the next. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I, I think this is the NFL is different. You've got a very strong core. You've got good young players. They, they're. I mean, I picture it next year where it's the rematch, but this time it's it's at Ford Field in the NFC Championship, right? And this time it's different. And then they go to the Super Bowl and lose. <laughs> and then the next year they go to the Super Bowl and win. I could see that happening. You never know, right? Health, injuries, all that stuff. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's very hard. The injuries is the big thing. It's you know, it's, it's such a brutal game. You don't know if your quarterback's going to stay upright for sixteen games. Uh, I'll just say this: When the Packers won the Super Bowl in 2011, uh, Aaron Rodgers was a young man. Clay Matthews was a young man. You would have swore they had another Super Bowl or two in them, and they never did. So you just don't know. Yeah, and anything can happen. But yeah, just for the sake of adding imagery to this, Tommy Heitzen, right? Yeah. Oh, <sighs> brutal. Ugh. Like I say, the 
The bad, the bad things that last in your mind way, way more clear than that. Look at Bill yeah. Walton. Bill Walton, who was, by the way, on the broadcast yesterday with Jason Benetti. There you go. Well, you, you know what? I, here was the other thing that I was thinking is, is some of those bad things get erased, I think, from at least from my mind. Um, we were going back and looking at the 2011 ALCS, ALDS. And, uh, you know, that was, of course, the the series ending with with Justin Verlander being absolutely phenomenal uh nine shutout innings right but do you do you remember game 4 of that series vaguely yes the tigers had a i think a 4-3 lead heading into the ninth and, and valverde gave up three runs and they lost ah yeah and i don't i don't like i i, I imagine at the time that was probably absolutely gut wrenching uh but they went and won the, the next game we're just kind of like eh, all right well it didn't happen <laughs> Uh, so, you know, things, things can change. We'll see. Is that when Phil Coke became the closer? I think that was the next year, actually. <laughs> You're right. The 2012 <laughs> is when he, he, cause that was when he slubbed, uh, he, he, I was there at game four of the ALCS when he, he slammed his glove on the mound and they, they mm-hmm. swept the Yankees. Man, it's one of those, I, I, I try to think the 2006 postseason to me is still the most special because seen those afternoon games in New York where it was a tight game yep. between them and the Yankees. It's one of my top five favorite sports memories of all time because yeah. it's surreal to me. Just, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe that the Tigers have a chance to advance. And so that's just, that was just crazy. So the Cole Keith press conference. And before I get into it, first and foremost, it was, I, I finally got to meet Mrs. Mary Keith, which is his mother. And she's been a big fan of the Tiger Miley Report for a while, and she's been just, just she, the first thing she, it's funny, she asked me how Chris was doing. She, that's how much she pays attention. Very, very to, kind. Yes, that's yes, uh, and it was very, very <laughs> awesome to hear that. And she was saying, "Hey, you know what?" She's asking how we're doing, and we talked. It was just, it was great, and like she just. It was it was just really cool to hear her say thank you for everything. And this is the second time we had a mother approach us like this. Parker Meadows' mom did the same thing, and <laughs> and then she said that you know we stuck our neck out on the line early on about this. And but look, we don't make like this is where moms love the pod. Yes, we actually should make a bumper sticker right. that moms love yeah. the pod. We're number one with moms, that's for sure. Yeah, she's got she's got a sticker on her car, by the way. She has a Tiger Minor nice. Report sticker awesome. on her car. Uh, fun fact so mama keith thank you and thank you for spreading the word and look there's times like i'll admit i'll freely admit this there's times where it's frustrating that we do this we do it for love we do it for, we don't do it for a lot of money and that's fine but then sometimes when you see people who are let's just say less talented than you are get opportunities i this is just me speaking just for myself it's frustrating but there's moments like this like today when you got to talk to somebody for 20 minutes and they went out like just I finally got just wanted to say thank you and and show their appreciation for what they did for their son because you are a fan of baseball and all you're doing is just showing the results of his talents that's all we're doing and she likes to approach it how we approach with prospects it's awesome to hear it really really was and it just made me go Everything like the, those days where it's like 
doing two jobs, like doing sometimes even three jobs to a certain extent, running around with my head cut off. All of us do. I mean, Chris is a full-time dad. Youper, you got you got yeah. two. I mean, you have your, your daughter's in college, but you still, I mean, <laughs> you, have a, you have full-time dad duties and everything. And oh, yeah. it's, um, <laughs> but going around yeah. all those stadiums and all that was worth it. Anybody, anybody who listened and watched the press conference got to hear or the press conference. I don't know why I spoke like that. Uh, got to hear your <laughs> the press conference. I, I turned into Christopher Walken for some reason. Uh, got to hear Rogelio ask a question there at the press conference. And uh, that's just uh, a testament to your hard work, man. I think that uh, they don't just let any Yahoo come in there and, and, and ask questions <laughs> at the press conferences. So, yeah, don't uh, sell yourself short there. It, it is. I, I get exactly what you're saying, though. Sometimes it's frustrating. Uh, you know, you feel like nobody's paying attention. But we've learned over the time that that the families in particular are, are paying attention and they very much appreciate the coverage because they're not really getting it from anywhere else. You know, it's, it's just the way it is. So sure. that was very cool to, to hear. It was, you know, moms are going to mom. That was so, so nice of her to ask how I'm doing. Um, and, and just awesome. And, and just really happy for the family. Right. Uh, right. We've talked about it ever since we, we interviewed Colt Keith, that he's a very <clears throat> confident young man. And it, but in like the right ways, like he's confident that he knows that he, that he's going to be able to make adjustments and, that he's his main thing is he wants to play major league baseball. That's why he didn't go to college. That's why he's signing this deal. He he's he wants he feels like he's been born to play baseball and that's what he's gonna do. And so yeah, you gotta be happy for them. You know, obviously he hasn't played a game yet, but this is a pretty big milestone in anybody's career to get that first contract. <laughs> uh, moms, you knows best, as Ricky Anderson once said. Yeah. Uh Stan wants to know how many questions they allow at the press conference. Well, it's usually about 15 to 20 minutes worth of questions. And I then I counted six or seven today. Yeah. yeah. So it was funny too, because when I got the mic, Lexi at first was looking over Lexi, who's the media's coordinator. And I would have sworn she was looking at the other PR people. Like, is it okay if I to the mic mm-hmm. to him? Because I've never, I've done, I've asked questions before, but never on a live broadcast like that or live stream like that so it was pretty cool and yeah. it was it was it was snowing earlier the roads were kind of sh- you know shite out yeah. uh, I, I i like saying shite because the way the scottish shite. say it's it's better than saying you know um, the other words sounds classy yeah but let's get to some of the stuff at the press conference too because i did there was a couple things a couple quotes to take away for and a couple takeaways from this too that i found really fascinating and so here's scott harris talking about the adjustments that Colt Keith made from double A. And first and foremost, it was just interesting to see Keith in a suit because you could tell it was like fresh suit, you know, like he just, it was like, you know how somebody, uh, when they go to prom or homecoming for the first time, they were in that suit, you know, they're never going to wear it again. It's going to be buried in their closet or your, in my case, my dad had one suit, one suit only. And that was it. That was that suit. And so, uh, but yes, uh, Stop it wants to know if Cole Keith is an indicator the coaching is getting better at teaching approach of two hitters. Absolutely. But he's also really good too. And and but let's uh let's hear what Scott Harris has to say on the subject. As soon as it starts playing, because now all of a sudden wants to freeze. This, this could be a Weezer video. <laughs> They're all frozen in time too. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, that getting that ready. Um, I don't know why now. It, it was playing earlier when I was getting it ready. I was prepping it up, and of course, go figure. It doesn't want to play. So, all right. 
uh we'll just do that hold on i'll come back to that in a second and make sure it plays so but at any rate yeah so there was a there was a distinctive quote from there that i thought was interesting and a testament to his ability and uh, okay well i mean he basically said i mean you you uh I mean, you had asked the question earlier in the conference about, you know, what Cole Keith had done over the, the offseason to what he was working on. And he mentioned, I think he basically talked about working on his forearms and his wrists. He felt like that was the way for him to, to stay powerful without, like, selling out for power. And then also working, I think, overall on his overall body and agility and stuff like that. Um, and then somebody, I don't remember exact what the exact question was, but it was about, you know, Scott Harris kind of went on a little bit of a, a it's not really a diatribe, right? But he was talking about how how well Colt Keith was performing and how how well he hit in Double A. And what really impressed him is how he went up to Triple A, and how he thought most hitters would be, you know, continue to stick with the approach that that got them uh, from Double A AA to Triple A. And he said that Triple A pitchers changed the way they were approaching Colt Keith, and he noticed how Colt Keith made the change back to to counteract that, and that was what really impressed him. I think that's what you're playing. Yes, that's correct. That was exactly it. And I'm embarrassed because I that's the thing that really drove me nuts that I had this all queued up. I tested it out earlier and then it doesn't want to play. So I I'm I'm terribly sorry about that. That's uh, that's all right. Yeah, Josh, thank you very much. I I didn't see that. But anybody who donates to the GoFundMe is okay in my book and we appreciate you and enjoy the work that you do. Um, And then uh, who uh, who was asking in the question about. the shoulder injury was it deadly ninja bees yes that's correct yeah he asked uh let me let me i'm sorry let me look up and see the yeah exact so that here. Th- that did play a little bit of a factor into it a little bit and yeah. just kind of he doesn't I'm, I'm paraphrasing but just the fact that Hawk, when his agent was speaking about it and he was he had the best line he said and i i wish i had the audio for this but he was talking about that he basically has his best years, and at 31, he'd be balling and still be a free agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said he, he could make a boatload of money and and be a free agent. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that there was a specific like, hey, we got to get this money now because the shoulder could go any minute. I think it was more like that shoulder injury that happened to him was kind of a, a wake up call that like, you know, this is this is a professional sports and a lot of stuff is out of your control, and that was just really a freak injury, right? He was diving back into a base. And, and yeah. I think Torres Labrum or separated shoulder or something like that. And yeah, pickoff play, right? Yeah. yeah. And and so that's just like a wake up call. Like, you know, if you can get get this is life changing money. Obviously, I, I think there's there's some thought that he's selling himself short here. Like if he goes on to have the career that you can look at the zips projections that Dan Zimborski over at Fangraphs put out. And if he has that career, he's probably shorting himself, a, you know, 30, 40 million dollars <laughs> overall, theoretically. I mean, but. There are a lot of things that can go wrong, and uh, in the end of the day, he's getting he's guaranteeing himself at least what twenty six million you know, yeah. after taxes and agents and whatever. You're still making thirteen, twelve, thirteen million. Um, and if that's if things go terribly wrong, from the Tigers' perspective, they're they're paying the equivalent of one year of Javi Baez over the course <laughs> of six seasons. So it's it's great for the Tigers. It's 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 really good for Colt Keith. Again, the only way that it really screws him is if he's awesome. And in in those cases, we've seen. The Tigers before, you know, it was, you know, different owner, different uh, management group. But but with guys like Verlander, uh, you know, they were willing to tear up that contract and extend them long term to keep them here. And making this investment in Cole Keith right now 
possibly suggests that he could be that sort of player for them down the road if he, he really exceeds expectation. Yeah, and one of the things, too, that was picked up on, and you know what, here's, I got some, now I know this will actually play for a fact. All right. So I got this plan right here, but this was something that I really enjoyed hearing Keith say. But there was, it, it, to me, he has been, since we had him, we had him on the, we had the interview, since day one, this is all he's wanted to do. And so you can pick up on this pretty quick. To make adjustments to what he's seeing and continue to perform, that um, was one of the many reasons why we were confident in this extension. And Colt, congratulations. Can you just kind of speak to that too? How were you able to make those adjustments? What was your approach? Yeah, I think it's just instilled in me to uh, never give in, just constantly fight and find a way to make it happen and, and be successful. I think that's just been instilled to me uh, through my parents and just the way I, I was brought, brought up is just just keep on trying to find a way and, uh, you know, just really loving to win and, and that drive and, you know, that combination of, you know, being willing to put in as much work as it takes to be successful. And, and that's and that was one thing, too, that we, we were coming to know in the press conference is the role of his agent. And Matt Paul used to be a player for the Dodgers. He played for a season. He was a former minor league player, became his agent. But since they, they have spent a lot of time together, he actually takes batting practice with them. They do yoga. They do all these things together. It is a cohesive unit between his parents, his fiance, and Matt Paul. And, and Paul spoke quite a bit during the press conference, too. And I thought it was just some of the in terms of a lot of times we're used to seeing Scott Boris, you know, just with the background and the prestigeness and, you know, and, and, and the pompous and circumstances behind him and what have you. But Matt Paul bonded with him, gave him advice and became, became his agent. And you could tell there's like a genuine friendship there. It's not just an agent thing. And Paul was an early believer on him. In addition to his parents, his parents, he moved from Ohio. What was it, Chris? Mississippi first, then Arizona. I think they were out in like Utah and Arizona, and yeah. then down to Mississippi. Yeah. Um, but um, that sounds right. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, it, it was that that relationship with the agent sounded really uh, interesting, and the agent hits with them, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think that was kind of cool. I mean, there were there are a lot of things that you could take from that presser. I, I mean, Cole Keith, we've seen this before, but he's he just comes across as a very mature very uh he's got things of perspective again but the confidence you want to see in a professional athlete like he believes in himself he believes he can he can succeed uh in in what you heard scott harris i think mentioned a couple times was about how cole keith is the kind of person and the kind of teammate they're looking for it's not just about i mean obviously you know first and foremost it's going to be that mix of hitting uh power and getting on base but also just the, the kind of teammate and the guy he's going to be a, a good teammate and we've heard stories about that about him him you know, working with other guys in the team to help them with their swings, you know, and which is kind of wild when you think about it, when you're, you're a kid just trying to get up to the big leagues, but you know, you probably focus mostly on yourself, but he doesn't sound like that kind of superstar sitting in the corner, you know, polishing his bats. He's, he's a, he's a real team teammate. So I think that's uh, I think they did well here. Uh, you know, you never, you never know. There have only been a handful of these kind of MLB deals before guys even played. And, and it's kind of a mixed bag of results, but I mean, we've we've talked in over and over again about how much we believe in the bat. So, you know, I think that it was well done on all sides here. 
You know, you go back, you go back to his draft year and he goes in the fifth round because it's a crazy year with COVID. And uh, as you guys got from him, he didn't really want to go to college. Right. Uh, So he signs for $500,000. Let's say he had gone to college. You have to assume he would have dominated. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, Let's say he spends two, three years in college and comes out, and he, if, if he did what he did in the minor leagues in college, he's basically Wyatt Langford, right? He's in the top five of the draft. He mm-hmm. makes probably eight, nine million dollars uh, in the draft coming out, you know, or maybe five or six million, but a lot of money compared to what he did take. So uh, I can see why this deal looked really good. You know, it, it's 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 a lot of safety. It's a lot of money that's going to come in right away. It kind of makes up for what he might have foregone by going to college. Um, I just think it's a it's a huge win for the team, huge win for him. Uh, you know, he will still be fine down the road with one more contract if things work out fine. So, Harris did mention that you will obviously earn his position as a second baseman on the, on the roster. There's no guarantees to make room for him on the forty man. By the way. Devin Sweet, who just did a podcast for, as Chris called it. Chris was it was Chris. Did goes, I? Yeah, because remember last week when you were sick, you're you were you basically said, "Look, how long is Sweet going to last on the roster? Probably not that long." Yeah, well, and there, and there I is. mean, well, we'll see if if he sneaks through uh, waivers and they keep him in the system. I, I think they liked him, but um, yeah, I, I that was kind of I was like, oh, oh, how sweet it was. Yeah, and then, <laughs> he's going to see some time at third. They still want him to play at third, but I, talking to Keith, he does prefer his second base. He's excited for the challenge. And there was something that you brought up, too, that I forgot about. When we first saw him in West Michigan, he was playing second then. I mean, this is something that's been ongoing, but now they, they try him at third. He's more comfortable at second. And what the there was another point, too, that I wanted to bring up that, yeah, they're not paying him to go to Toledo. That's right. And Paul, Paul, that's a good question. We're gonna compare Keith size with other second baseman. We'll get to some comps there in a second. But Brandy Day over at Blessy Boys, friend of the show. Pretty much, she's like the fifth Beatle of the show, if you will. <laughs> he, he, I, I do like. There's something he said at the end of his article, and I'll, I'll share the article on our chat here because I, I thought Brandon did a really good job here because I I wrote a spin on Cole Keith being new wave because you think of bands that were on the on the, the police and the talking it's my 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 spin on it was completely different because we're not used to the Tigers doing things like this. It's a new wave of thinking and that's where I tied in anytime I can tie in pop culture references I will because baseball to me sometimes is let's just be honest here the way it's discussed it's Oh, it's stodgy and boring sometimes. And you got to change things up a little bit, at least in my opinion. But the line of the last set, the last paragraph said it best. And I, I'm, I tend to agree with him. And this is what he says. He said, quote, instead of, of a herald of some new philosophy of the Tigers organization, Colkey may just fit the distinctive set of factors that interest the club in locking him up for the long term at this point. Don't be disappointed in the front office if this remains to be the exception rather than a new trend, end quote. Now, I understood what he meant that, you know, by the way, there was an Al Avila reference too. I don't have to get to that in a second because his mom said something about Al Avila, Al Avila. So there was, I understood, I think what Brandon's getting at is that 
this worked out for the Tigers. They approached it. It worked out. Is it going to be the way of things? Because then we instantly when we posted, we had people asking, what about Torkelson? What about Riley Green? Well, we know that Scott Boris is, or excuse me, Spencer Torkelson is a Scott Boris client. Who knows that they've already approached Riley Green? We don't, we don't know. But that being said, I look at it a little deeper than just this is the first time they offer anything like that. Cause it's true. I just look at it as overall, the system, the minor league system is getting better. There's, there's proof of it here. A lot of people, when they, I saw some of the comments when the Tigers posted the feed, Oh, why are they giving money? He hasn't played yet. Not, not got off. I, I, like to me, it's just, the Tigers don't make this decision. You just don't do this for anybody. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I see where Brandon's coming at. Yes, granted, they're not going to do this for every single player. Like, they're not going to do this for Kyra Montero, as an example, or or even, maybe even who knows. But this Avila, you got to see this. Say, by the way, yes, um, we did hear that friend of the show, another friend of the show, Greg Ganya or Ganya Ganya. We'll be doing the 971 radio broadcasts when Dickerson. I actually been sitting on that for yes. a few weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I talked to Greg a few weeks ago when he told me, and I was just like, "So it's, it's great. It pays, it pays to be the member of the press and friends with the guy." So congratulations, Greg. It's honestly well deserved, and to me, Greg is Greg is a good one of the salts of the earth, and and not to mention when how often. Does this happen to you? How often do you go down after a no hitter and have Mexican with the guy who called the no hitter? <laughs> that was yeah, that was that was fun. He was getting texts from uh, from like you know Tram and everybody and, and congratulating him. That was that was pretty cool. Um, just thought- yeah, it's 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 uh, that's awesome. You know, we, we talked about it when when Matt Shepard was gone. We were kind of hoping that Greg would get the job, and. Uh, you know, obviously the Tigers swung for the fences and they hit a home run with Jason Benetti, uh, not to really strain this baseball metaphor, right? But, uh, is, but you know, Greg Greg's awesome and he's going he's gonna to be doing, what, 30-plus games, I think, when Benetti's wow. gone and Dickerson was over the TV. And there's the Tigers, he's the top-notch broadcaster. Tigers, you're not going to miss a beat with, with uh, calling games. Greg was great last year. This is a monster step for his career. That's that's really yeah. cool. I mean, that's, that's a ticket to a, a full-time gig either with the Tigers or someone else. You would hope so. I mean, these, these are really hard jobs to get, right? Yeah. Like there, are, there are tons of talented broadcasters out there, and there's only so many jobs. And, yeah, I was looking. What were we looking at the other day that Greg's first game with the Tigers was, I think Mikey Matuk stole a home run. It was it was Jack Flaherty. It, 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 was, it was in Oakland, right? It, I think it was against the Cardinals because I think Jack Flaherty pitched that game. Hmm. Oh, okay. Why am I thinking that the first game was in Oakland? Hey, maybe you're the- right. But that one, I, I remember. I think there was a walk off. Uh, maybe that wasn't his first game. Maybe that was his second game or whatever. But yeah, he certainly. We were down there to to support him. Like he didn't really need support, but you know, we go down there. It's fun because he's they're just so great to us when we go out to Erie, right? And we want to be do whatever we can, and and you know, going down there and just hanging out. And sure enough, they throw a no hitter, which uh, <laughs> which I think we've talked about it before. Is is funny because there's a bunch of professionals in that press box, so they weren't hooting and hollering when that no hitter happened. Unlike everything we heard about the San Francisco 49ers press box. Uh, yeah. But uh yeah, yes. good for it. That that's that's awesome for Greg and uh happy that it's uh it's now public. 
Yeah. Uh, what was that no hitter, by the way? Was that that was the 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 series before the All Star break, and that was the Saturday before, I think. Right? It was okay. That was I was trying to because I'm looking trying to look the, for the photo here. It would have been um, July 11th or so. Yeah. Like okay. So I do have the picture of him in in Mexico town with his head through the. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where we, we went to Armando's. Yeah, that's the one I'm showing to show. But I also wanted to show there was a picture of him and I, I was able to capture with him and AJ Hinch that end up going on Twitter too. Because he's like, you know, hey, do me a favor, give me a picture with oh yeah Hinch. And I said, okay, yeah. And so I, I kind of snuck that one in there. And yeah, but the, that. the, yeah, that's pretty funny. But anyway, uh, um as you were saying, Chris, go ahead. I don't know what I was saying. Um, what were we talking about before the, the Ganya news? That was good. Um we were still talking about Cole Keith, right? Cole Keith, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I know somebody had had uh who was it? I want to get the name. Paul St. Pierre was asking questions about, like, you know, who do we compare Colt Keith to? I don't know. You know, I've, I've heard some comps out there. I've heard Daniel Murphy. People compare him to Nolan Gorman of the Cardinals. Um, I don't know. It, it's tough. You know, there's there's no uh, no two players are exactly alike, even uh, twins, right? Ozzy Canseco was garbage. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I get, like, you can get, like, a Mike Moustakis feel maybe at times. Um I don't know, it's yeah, he's going to be a, a bat first, second baseman with some third base in there, but it's going to be plenty of bat. So, a better Dan Ugla, <laughs> you know, I thought of Dan yeah. Ugla. I mean, Dan Ugla with more average. I, I mean, yeah. if you want to go crazy, it's it's maybe Ozzy Albies without the steals. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, Ozzy Albies hits for power and in, in in solid average. Uh, he steals bases too. That's the main deal. I don't think Cole, Cole Keith is. I think that's one thing that people might be surprised by is he's he's actually like close to an average runner. I think he's going to put up some pretty shocking sprint times, uh, despite you know his size. He's 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 uh, he's and he hustles, mm -hmm. so he's going to leg out a bunch of doubles and stuff. So I think he's going to be a really fun player to watch this year. It's it's exciting. I'll tell you a so, little underrated thing that I like about this whole deal is that we won't have to worry about the service time games, you know, gaining a year of arb and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, all that's out the window. Now it's just play ball. Now he can yeah. be in that opening day lineup, and if he be, you know, if he goes on a mission and is the rookie of the year, and they get the draft pick, that's great. Uh, but we don't have to be all that, all that back and forth about oh, should he start on opening day or should they gain the extra year before free agency is gone? And I'm kind of happy about that, to be honest. Yeah, and and you've eliminated the. Uh... There's Greg Gagne in Mexican town, <laughs> uh, and and you've el eliminated the. Uh, wait a minute, is that thing? That guy's the flash in the middle finger. I thought he was uh, strumming the guitar. He's, but he's, he's strumming the guitar. He's strumming the guitar. Yeah, but that's I definitely see a middle finger there too. Also, it could be a face, like a, a Dr. Seuss <laughs> face. But anyway, uh, yeah, you're you're gonna avoid the uh, the Casey Mize nonsense, right? You know, some sort of disagreement over twenty five thousand dollars. None of that comes into play. And they mentioned that in the press conference a couple of times. Just kind of avoiding that arbitration process is big for, you know, you don't have to yell at each other. Yeah, there's a, by the way, there a, it was funny. There, um, somebody just asked about this too, was about his arm. And that came up and we were, you mentioned earlier, Chris, about the, the shoulder and how they made him think a little bit. His arm, that's something he's constantly working on, but his range, his arm, it's fine. Um, they're in terms of improving from third to first. It's just a personal preference that he was fielding better at second than at it was either, either, or, I mean, Harris has indicated that he would play third, but maybe as a, 
in a pinch situation. So as far as opening day lineups, Alex has a question. Well, well, I, you know, I'll address that. We're going to need some time for that one, but we'll uh, definitely address that question because I want to switch gears a little bit before we get back to the Tigers about the Baltimore Orioles. And if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan or you are a fan of baseball, there was, it's been Baltimore Orioles have been sold. So if you are, I mean, you are just probably over the moon right now. You're over the moon right now that you don't have to deal with the Angels family anymore. So that is, it's something. And you, I know you got some thoughts on this, but the one thing, look, Baltimore lost in the AFC championship. So their morale is down. Just going on social media tonight. Baltimore sprung alive again. Just the amount of excitement that people are saying, my dreams just came true. <laughs> That's how bad. You talk about ownership. You talk about about Chris Illich, and you can say all you want about that. But the sheer amount of joy that this man is no longer the owner, everybody, it's a universal thing. No question. <laughs> well, just... <laughs> murder so, up? What? Baltimore. Yeah, murder police. Well, you know, here's the thing. It was almost like the the specter of the Angelos ownership kind of kept a lid on the excitement. I think a lot of Orioles fans had over this mountain of talent they've built. Uh, both at the big league level and still in the minor league level, because they just figured that they would never back it up with any money and any effort from the ownership. Right. Um, now we have to see what these new owners want to do. I mean, you know, will they be great owners? Will they not? Who knows? But now at least there's hope uh, that these are guys who will invest in the team. And if this core comes through, like a lot of people think it will try to keep it together instead of selling off for parts. You know, and uh, it's it's always better to have a team that wants to compete, right? I want you know, and hopefully now, this these guys see what they have with Adley Rushman and uh, Jackson Holiday and all these other you know litany of names. This is an exciting team to take over. I would think if I had a billion dollars, I'd be happy to do it. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, it, it's 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 just a good move. I think it's great for baseball. Uh, assuming they're going to be competitive uh, owners. Yeah, the from my understanding, the owner is from the Baltimore area too. The potential new owner is from the Baltimore area. So, and we got to give a shout out to uh, some of our favorite people from Baltimore right here. Yes. Chris, I don't know if you Omar, Omar, Omar McNulty, Omar, Omar McNulty. You're going to come at the king. You best not miss. <laughs> it's probably, you know, it's been, I, I need to watch The Wire again. It's been about 10 years since I've watched it. Be good good to get back into that. Proposition Joe. All those guys. What happened to the kid? I just watched the show. I watched the show before spring, was it before spring training when I was texting you last year about it? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I never watched it when it was live because it was... Yeah, life was going on. But anyway, so that's that's exciting. And the thing is for the Orioles, and I, I'm going to get the owner who's going, or the potential new owner is going to buy them some more, more information about that. So David 
Rubstein, Rubstein, I'm really bad with names. Rubenstein, Rubenstein, Danny Duberstein. He's going to. (laughs) It's led by the Carlisle Group, and that's what he's going to. The transaction is well. He's buying the Baltimore one point seven, one point seven two five billion billion dollars. Billion. I mean that's billion. So here's the thing, like. We're, there's just never gonna be a situation where the billionaire who buys the team is like, oh, that's the guy who gives marshmallows to hungry kids. You know, it's never, it's never the good person you want. It's, and this is obviously Angelos. They've been they've been terrible owners there. Uh, you know, suspending broadcasters for stuff, <laughs> just just all sorts of dumb stuff. Uh, and and but generally speaking, private equity is pretty nasty stuff. <laughs> they they tend to take things and scrap it and sell it for parts, but. I don't think they've done that with a baseball team yet. Anybody private equity firm? I think basically, I think Tom Gore is kind of a private equity guy, right? Who bought the the Pistons? Uh, so they're looking at this as an investment, and hopefully, this means that they will spend a bunch of money, and and you know, treat it like a real team, because uh, now's the time. And maybe maybe that explains why they haven't been signing anybody or spending any money. I don't know why it would change the value that much. Really is is a you know thirty million dollar investment this year changing your overall value from one point seven five billion to one point <laughs> seven billion like who cares but um, I don't know you, you have to be hopeful if you're an Orioles fan uh, I, I just you know you always worry about like these weirdos who buy teams like this you never know when they're Dan Snyder oh <laughs> Connor with the best comment of the night platinum equity biggest scam on earth yep that's the that's Tom Gore's right. Yeah, charging charging people for jail phone calls. So. You know, platinum equity doesn't even say what it is. What I mean, if you think of platinum equity, I I don't know. Like, it just doesn't. I don't. Anyway, oh yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. By the way, the the news of what we heard about Greg was not supposed to be told. So Dickerson, so yes. Greg, Greg just sent us a message. He said, "I guess we have a job secured like Dickerson. You can say whatever the hell you want." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you call the walk-off winner for to go to the World Series, you get a little more uh, leeway. Yeah. No, it's good. I, yeah, it's good. I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, whatever. But uh, yeah, good, good on Dad. Good on God, Greg. Good on everybody. So. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, the Orioles will be be players for the big free agents. Anytime there's another team that jumps in and starts spending money, it, it's good for baseball. You know, Texas did it, and what what happened? They won a World Series, and yeah. we've seen Toronto spend more money in the last couple of years ever since basically the David Price trade. Right? They they really started feeling themselves again. Uh, Boston, for some reason, just uh, keeps not spending a ton of money. But uh, what are you going to do? A lot but of people get... think the Red Sox are for sale in the next year. That wouldn't shock me, based on the way they've been acting. Yeah, that makes sense. And and they would probably get a billion more than the Orioles. Oh, yeah, maybe easy. twice as much. Yeah, yeah. So the Padres, yeah, the Padres. You know, they they went a little too far, I guess, for their 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 own good. But they at least they gave it a shot. You know, if they had won a World Series, it would have been worth it. But yeah, and it's but it's again a thing the Padres have done in the past. They've spent. Or they've done a lot in development, and then they just blow it all up. But the trade, the, the, I do want to get to a trade that happened yesterday as the, the Mariners, once again, 
Jerry DePito just a trading machine. So the Mariners and the Twins make a trade where the first I was talking to Chris about this yesterday. The Twins basically at some people thought that the Twins fleeced the Mariners, but well, so Jorge Polanco goes to Seattle in exchange for uh, uh, some prospects and two players that will definitely help out as far as pitching goes. Cause the twins don't really, their pitching depth is very razor thin. So the twins are getting Gabriel Gonzalez reliever, Justin Topa uh, starter, Anthony. Funny. There's a funny and minor league pitcher, Darren Bowen. And the tw- Mariners are also given twins cash. So pull ads need that cash in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I see both sides of it, I guess. I, I mean, it makes more sense for the Mariners to me because they, they're getting a potential like Polanco has dealt with injuries the last couple seasons, I think, but when he's healthy, he's, he's very productive and there's a little he? bit of defensive versatility there. So you about 30, 31. Uh, that sounds about right. Let he's thirty. He's thirty. He's thirty. Okay. Yeah, and, and so they have him this year, and I think they, there's a team option for next year, right? So yeah, the Twins exercised an option on a ten point five million op- dollar option on him just this recently, and so there's a club option, twelve million dollar club option for twenty twenty five. Yeah, I mean, you're paying a lot more that than than that for a guy like uh, Polanco in free agency, I think. I think what they wanted, right, the, from a Twins perspective, I mean, they get Gonzalez, and I, I see a couple of the rankings were already slotting him into their top five. Evidently, this Bowen guy is uh, uh, kind of got some, you know, uh, some heat behind him. That he might be okay. But the big thing is they get rid of Polanco, who's, you know, on the wrong side of 30 here coming up, and they free up a lot of time for uh, Edouard Julian, who I think they want to play. So. Right. Um, I can see the deal for the Twins why they did it. You know, Di Sclafani has had a couple of stretches of competence, but not so much lately. And I don't really know anything about the relief pitcher, but they needed the depth. So, uh, you know, it, I think the Twins are just banking on these one of these two prospects working out, but mostly getting Julian in the lineup full time. I mean, the Twins, outside of this deal, Josh Stamo, that's it. That was the only deal that they made, and you you lost Sonny Gray, you lost Maeda, you lost Tyler. Rogers? No, um, starts with them. Uh, Mealy. Mealy, thank you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you lost Pagan, so you got to have to get your pitching somewhere. And right now, looking at, I mean, just look at St. Paul last year against Toledo. There was there was not a lot of standouts in that between double a Wichita falls and triple a St. Paul, as far as I can recall, as I can remember, cause it was just, it was slim pickings. Yeah. Sonny. I mean, you losing Sonny gray. Yeah. But I think yeah. you make, you makes a good point. They're, they're dealing from strength here. They've got Royce Lewis, uh, who can play kind of all over. They've got Julian. Who's kind of, uh, he's kind of a Colt Keith, uh, bat first guy, but, but they really like that bat. I mean, it's a, a lot of power, a lot of walks. And uh, and they have they have Miranda still kicking around. You know, he came up uh, two years ago and, and had some flashes. I think he struggled last year. So they've they've got some young options in the infield, and uh, they felt like they could 
address some depth issues elsewhere. Like was it Topa? I think is is a he's got to have an interesting story, right? Because he was last year was basically his first full season in the majors, and he's like thirty three. Hmm. Uh, so I don't know if he's one of those guys who was bartending or whatever. But uh, yeah, in the prospect, I mean, it's a it's a good prospect. He struggled a little bit, I think, when he went from was it from low A to high A, and so he's still. You know, the, the, there's some tools there, but you you there's a little bit of risk there too. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was a good deal for both teams. I think the Mariners are, are still trying to compete, and the Twins are probably still trying to compete too. But they felt like they had uh, some superfluous parts there, so it'd be a little bit, I guess, like if if Jace Young couldn't play third base at all, and they have him at second base, uh, you know, the Tigers trade him or something like that because uh, <laughs> they got Cole Keith there now. So also the. Jay signed Justin Turner to a one-year deal. That was another deal that happened. Uh, I believe it was today. And a story out of Wichita, just really, speaking of, I just mentioned Wichita for uh-huh. another reason. But this story really just pisses me off to no end. Brutal. So a stolen Jackie Robinson statue was found burned in a trash can. And the details about this was the Wichita Fire Department received a call around 840 about a trash can on fire at Garvey Park in the southern part of the city discovered what appeared to be the pieces of a statue, according to the police spokesman Andrew Ford. At a news conference Tuesday, it was described as, quote, not salvageable. The statue, which was cut at the figure's ankles, went missing Thursday morning. And honors Jackie Robinson. What the what the fuck? Sorry, pardon my language. What the fuck is wrong with you? Seriously. <laughs> like, come on. Pardon my language, but it's just what, what an asshole. Or assholes. Or whatever. Hey, come on. You got nothing else better to do? You have the internet. You have VR goggles. You have all these tools. You have porn for free. (laughs) And you got to cut down a statue of a baseball player? Get the hell out of here, man. Come on. Get a life. Especially Jackie. Come on. Looks like there were two guys and they couldn't identify him from the video, right? It was too far away. And they had some kind of saw electric saw and they sawed that thing right out of there brutal i I still understand there's android phones that you can see you i don't know what kind of phone you have an iphone right yeah have you seen those phones that samsung has where literally you can you you you're sitting right here and you can see the moon clear as day and Hmm. there is phones like that all this technology out there and you can't get a damn clear picture of who saw it electric saw so it's not like that i mean it was like i'm sure it was quicker than just Using a regular saw, but for, but for come on, man. So, no respect. So they're raising so. money to replace it, right? They need seventy thousand bucks. That's what I Uh-oh. heard. If there's a, if there's Could a have been an inside job. Inside job. <laughs> they want an old statue. I've been watching too much true crime, but like, <laughs> oh man, we're really we're forty thousand short of the rent. What are we gonna do? Cut down Jackie Robinson. <laughs> Of rant. You know what they should have done is hold it up for ransom. <laughs> you know, I, so here's the thing, man. I this is a complete tangent, but when I I went to uh, I went to Europe in 2002 uh, for a study abroad program. It was it was a magazine writing or features piece or editor. I don't know, whatever. It was a two week uh, course learning how to write. Uh, whatever. It was an excuse to go to Europe, and we kept staying. Every hotel we stayed in was like the rock and roll hotel for some reason, and the one we stayed in 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 London was like, you know, Oasis had been kicked out of there for throwing TVs out of the windows and stuff like that. And there were multiple bands just hanging out in this this, this great room, including uh, like a Celtic folk rock group my, my dad liked named Wolfstone. 
Nice. And I remember I, I met them. I'm like, yeah, I know you guys. And they're like, oh yeah, you're fans. I'm like, my dad's a fan. And they're like, ah, oh. <laughs> sorry. But there was there was a punk band there from Arizona, and they were telling the story about how they had kidnapped a Ronald McDonald statue in Phoenix, <laughs> and they like they took it out to the desert and took all these pictures of him for ransom and stuff like that, and sent them in. And it was a whole saga that went on, and ended up you know somebody ended up going to prison for like a year for it. Nice. So yeah. Anyway. There's a long way to get there, but yes, steal that statue, hold it for ransom. <laughs> I mean, you think about this. I think from the quick look I got at the video, right? Uh, and I'm on these type of fields all the time when I'm umpiring. It looked like they had the statue uh, of Robinson. It's, it's at this little league park. It's basically in the middle of the clover leaf, where you know uh, the yeah. ball, all the fields are surrounding it. In the little circle is that incredible statue of Jackie Robinson. Yeah, what a what a perfect thing, you know. It's a, uh, it was a mostly minority league, uh, so it was just the perfect place. And hopefully, they can uh, raise the money and get a new statue and give it better security. So, speaking of, by the way, another deal. Thank you, Josh, for reminding me. So, the Tigers signed to a minor league deal a pitcher by the name of Joel Peligro. Peligro, either or. I say Peligro as in danger, so it could be. It'd be cool if that was his name yeah. was Piguero. Piguero, yeah. or Piguero, yeah, yeah, Piguero. I don't know why I thought in that, but uh, yeah, he's been he's bounced around a couple minor league teams, and yeah, there's some stuff on him. He hit. He's he was in Tampa at one point too as well. So, by the way, I saw a interesting t- former five former Tigers in Ray's camp coming up. Really, I yeah. saw that. I couldn't pick out the last one. I saw there was Zach Houston, right? And oh wow, he's still Zach, wait, wait, Zach Houston. Well, yeah, Zach Houston was one of them. Oh, Rob Brantley was one of them. Um, Birch, what's his face? Wasn't that guy named Birch? That was a tiger. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe I had that one wrong. I, but there were a couple of obscure guys in there. I wasn't quite sure of who they were. But well, Tal Alexander, Tal Alexander's one. Yeah, Paredes, of course, right? Paredes, yeah. And soon, probably. Uh... Austin Meadows. Yeah. It'd be funny if he comes we'll back. Um, yeah, I, I can't believe it. Is that Rob? Seriously, Rob Brentley's still playing? Listen, man, backup catcher, third catcher, that's that's the, the backup quarterback of baseball, right? If you can catch and and not make a, a fool of yourself with the bat, you could stick around for 18 years <laughs> having with, with like 400 total plate appearances. Like how how old like Mike Papersky and uh, who was the other catcher they had in Toledo last year? Oh the other, yeah, I forgot his name, but those dudes were in like their mid thirties. And, and then Dustin Garneau the year before, right? He retired at like thirty six, thirty seven, and, and had barely played in the majors uh, in his early thirties. But so here's the complete list, by the way. So yeah, Zach Zach, I'm, I'm uh, Erasmo Ramirez. Zach, oh. so he was yeah he was with the Tigers for a minute. Edward, uh, Edwin, uh, Usena. Oh, Usena? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Briefly on the 40 man last year, right? Yeah. He, he got, he got invited to camp. So, yeah. And then it's just, but like, I'm just still blown away. Andrew Rob Knapp, Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. And then, okay. I was looking at the outfielders too, but I didn't see anybody. But yeah. I, Zach Houston, the last time I saw him pitch was, <laughs> What was it, Chris? 
but like maybe twenty twenty one. Yeah, maybe twenty twenty one. And then he was sitting at he was sitting at like I remember him not in he was in uniform but not playing. I think I want to say in Erie last year, the year before. Maybe that's when. I don't know. That's just good. Good for Houston. I thought he. I thought he retired. I honestly thought he retired. So did I. I mean, he's he's always always had a good arm. Uh, looks like he was in Durham last year. He's twenty nine. Let me see. Oh. Yeah. Uh, twenty twenty two. He was in Erie and Toledo in twenty twenty two. I guess time flies, huh? So just just two seasons ago, and then last year, uh, Somerset and Scranton. So. I'll, I'll make the obligatory statement now. The Rays will get the best 40 innings of his life. 245 well, ERA and seven saves. If they do, like, it, again, that's good for him. Like, he is kind of the guy that, you know, the, the oh, this 29-year-old reliever comes up and has uh, a good year. He always had a good arm. Just, uh, you know, had, had trouble throwing strikes there at the end. And I don't know if he ever really developed a, a consistent breaking ball. But, no, I had... Uh, I don't think the Tigers have announced their non-roster invitees yet to spring training. You'd assume it would be coming soon, but I kind of just threw together a list earlier today when somebody was talking about it. And it's, you know, they haven't done many of those minor league signings this year. So I, I had a handful of, I mean, as usual, they're always going to have all the catchers in the organization, right? So it's going to be, you're going to, you're going to get, uh, Donnie Sands is still in the organization now. Julio Rodriguez, they resigned, I believe. You got Anthony Bimboom. Um, nice. Laser Alfonso, I think there they'll probably bring Bennett Lee, the draft pick from last year, uh, and the Mulfetta guy that they they brought on board. Um, and then the rest of the offense I had was was basically Ryan Valade. He was one of the few kind of names that they brought in, and I think I think we'll see Malloy and Big B and Young and Bly Madras. I think uh, a Bly Madras signing, yeah, uh, signing. And then, and then the pitchers, I, I went with, uh, you know, basically Jackson Joe. We we they did announce that he's getting an invite. It was one of the few. And then it's basically all the uh, the free agents that they signed, right? Hanafi, Garrett Hill, Andrew Vasquez, Trey Winginter, Joel Pagero, uh, Drew Anderson. And then I thought they might bring in some of the the younger, like Tyler Madison, Andrew Magno, Ty Madden, Brent Herter. And then it's like you know Jose Alvarez and Freddie Pacheco if they're healthy. So that's I think you're my... right. What you said earlier about Devin Sweet's a good chance too. Yeah, if if, if Sweet clears and, and they bring him back, he'd certainly be a, a, a spring training invite. Interesting too that uh, Devin Ninja be saying that Fangraphs thinks BB is a bum. Well, go ahead, you, go ahead, Chris. Well, yeah, I mean, did, did we? Did you guys talk about the Fangraphs prospect list at all? Did we talk about that? I don't remember. No, I was waiting mm-hmm. for you to kind of. I wanted to get well, you to chime in on that a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean that was the, the the one thing, and but he gave himself a bunch of different caveats there and outs. He basically said that you know if you just look at the batted ball data and the underlying data that like you could you'd value Bigby way higher than this. But he saw him and doesn't think the swing's going to work against more advanced pitching, and that's I mean it's always been kind of our question because of it's such a unique approach and swing where he takes almost everything and hits it hard to the opposite field, and you just you you have to wonder if. Uh, more advanced pitching is just going to really bury pitches inside and force him to hit. You know, he, he's not going to be able to hit stuff hard. But I don't know. It's it's tough for me because like we we were, it's not like we were way out ahead of on Big B or anything like that. We just we kept he kept producing, he kept producing, and he kept producing. And it was one of those things where like the more and more you watch him, the more you're like, I guess he can keep doing this. <laughs> like he's he, I, he, 
there's nothing that's stopping him. And um, so I, I, I think we still have a pretty good deal of faith in him. But it is a, a, an interesting approach, and it wouldn't shock me if things don't work out for him. But I, you know, I've done a whole big research project on, on this now, and you know, the funny numbers I found out with with uh, if you hit 340 in any one season in the minor leagues, you've got an 80 percent chance of making it to the big leagues. If if you hit 340 or better in one season in the minor leagues and 400 plus player appearances, it doesn't matter if you're in low A, triple A, double A, whatever, you're going to make the big leagues at an 80% clip. And uh, so, I mean, I obviously we want Big B to do more than make the big leagues, but uh, he's, he's, he's pretty much a lock to get there. So I don't know that, that to me, that means you should be a prospect on a prospect list. Yeah. I mean, it's to me, you look at the simple fact that, all the exit velocity was there and I still need to see more of a sample size in Toledo, obviously, but last year when Keith got called up to Toledo, he was a difference maker in the Seawolves offense and he hit a lot. So I, I don't know. I, I just think that also Fangrass hasn't, I mean, they have one guy doing all their reports. So how much do they, re- I mean, they, they rely on some people. And, and so they, yeah. it's, it's Eric it, Longenhagen. He, he yeah. does. And, I, well I would said, just, Connor. I will just, well, yeah, Connor was pointing out that he had a 40 on, on uh, Max Clark's arm. It, but, but Eric Longenhagen has said before that he will occasionally put in things that are wildly inaccurate to see if other people are just copying him. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe I, like, I don't know how you're going to give uh, Max Clark a, a 40 grade arm when he was in the mid 90s from the left side uh, as a pitcher in high school. Yeah. Maybe his arm stopped working. In the Florida Complex League, I don't think so. So yeah, I mean, I I, I don't. It maybe it's just an egregious error. I got a maybe. few names I like to call it. <laughs> it could just be, uh, you know, there's a lot of data. He's keeping track of a lot of data. It could just be an, a typo. It, it, four sometimes look like sevens, you know. So <laughs> I, I I wouldn't uh, hold that one against him too much. He could be trying to you know, fool some people, or it could just be a small mistake. But we could ask him, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's. I think he doesn't mind being challenged with that, but Stan, I wanted to bring this up real quick because I thought it was funny. Are you guys aware that none of the three main shows on I-71, the ticket, has brought up a single segment of uh, Keith Extension? You know what? Good. Then tune in to us. <laughs> Screw them. <laughs> like, no offense. I like. I mean, Jim Costa, those guys, there's some fantastic guys over there. Don't get me wrong. But if you want Tiger Stock, oh. there you go. Listen. Or Scott Bentley. I love Scott Bentley. And, not- or Days of War, too, either. But everybody's still hung over the, the Lions loss. I get it. Football is king in this town. I understand. But listen, you have two alternatives. You can well, tune in our minor league stuff or you can tune into this once a week. Your choice. And despite our football we talk, we t- football tendencies, if you've listened to us for the last 10 odd years or so, well, it's, it's actually going to be 10 years coming up in March that I started doing Tigers podcasting. 10 years. Yeah. Where's this grace coming from? Find it here, and I'm looking right at the camera. I'm looking at you. So, if Jim Costa does not want to spend time on it. That's fine. Jim Costa's a good guy, fantastic guy. They're all good. I have nothing bad to say about them. Oh. But you know where to find us. That's not what you said behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, no, no, no. <laughs> no, you know, Raj comes from radio. He's he's seen some things. But uh, you know, listen, I, I, that's all fans want to talk about right now, right? I'm yeah. sure there are some fans who are like, hey, let's talk about this Colt Keith extension. <laughs> and I'm sure everybody else is like, uh, this is the best season in Lions like in the last 60 years. We're going to talk about that until we we can't talk anymore. Um, 
So I get it. I, I mean, it, it, that's always yeah. been a bummer. And that was one of the bummers about Woodward too, right? It was, it was, it's football is king, football, 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 football. And uh, you're, you're trying to get, make some noise with baseball. And, and it just, it's, it's not going to get the support from the, the, the larger fans. So yeah, we and, do what we can. We, we, we stay niche and we try to give you information. That's all, yeah. And I like what Sam, Sam, Samuel said, and he's right that they, I mean, there was times where Jim Leland's lineups were blasted. Yeah. Uh, all the time and he's right the Tigers haven't been good in quite some time and that, that's all true I, I completely agree with him on that no. so it's I, yeah yeah I, I remember you know my heyday of listening to talk radio was was in that era you know I remember the the Andrew Miller draft how everybody was super pumped because you know they <laughs> they the best player in the draft fell to them and they were contending that year and then it happened again with Porcello and you know then the, the Sheffield trade and then the Cabrera trade and it was just you know sports radio like going crazy and even all the way up until you know 2011 2012 they're signing v-mart they're signing prince fielder so i think there's that's a good point is when the team's relevant yeah and and, and good they're going to be a lot more people interested it's just just the way it is right now um you know i you, you say the same thing about the pistons when they were uh you know threatening for back-to-back nba titles in the early 2000s so people were, were calling in like crazy and talking about them winning draws a crowd right Winning yeah. draws a crowd. If they, if they, if this team isn't a pennant race for a division title, or even just uh, really strong in the wild card, uh, the interest will be there. Uh, it'll come back fast too because people want it. You know, we need things to do in the summertime, and mm-hmm. the Tigers fill a void. So, um, just start to win, win, baby. Yeah, and I mean, Larry Love is correct, though. The Lions sucked for 65 years in a row, but the 971 never stopped talking about them regardless. He is true about that, too, but oh. football, people love football. I mean, people were doing Jared Goff's chants all week. And, right, again, you have every right to be excited. The Lions went to the NFC Championship for the second time in my lifetime. Second time. And they were uh, – and, and Samuel had a really – wait, the, the Lions were up by 17 for a second – I actually stayed in the office because I, when they first scored the first two touchdowns, I was in here working on articles and, and just all of a sudden uh, they scored. I'm like, all right, I'm staying in here. And, you know, either way, whatever, think, whatever melts your butter, you know? So oh, that's an interesting phrase. I've not heard that. Um, <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever melts your butter. But uh, yeah, the, I don't know. We talked about this with Jason back many years ago, uh, how he, he was fondly remembering the 2003 Tigers. Uh, because there's something about really terrible teams and really good teams that that brings out interesting talk. What the, the nightmare there is is where the Pistons were for about ten years. That that you know, forty five percent win percentage. That you know, always missing the playoffs but never getting a high draft pick. Just yeah. kind of irrelevance. Uh, and and you know that went on for a long time to the point where now these terrible Pistons teams were like, hey, you know, tank for this guy, tank for that guy. Uh, it's not even that much fun anymore because uh, it's just like, dude, how about just something? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, people, people, I mean, it got to the point with the Lions where it was, everyone just expected them to lose all the time and in the most comical and ridiculous ways possible. So that was kind of fun to talk about. You know, like, oh, they did it again. And you could yeah. call in and complain about the GM and the coaches and stuff like that. And then that, that's good for sports talk. It's 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 hard to call in and complain about Ron Gardenhire. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, Jim Leland like, batting down Kelly in the lineup? Two four eight five three nine. Yeah. In football, you know, you only get that dose of losing once a week. Where in baseball, you can really beat down a uh, an audience yeah. with a with a week with a daily drumbeat of losing. <laughs> so, 
I think that might be part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's what is interesting though is this, it's the same people that talk Tigers baseball who haven't been paying attention. Caputo. I mean, you know, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay there. I I don't call myself the book on sports anymore. Um, yeah. So. Ronnie Rodriguez. Yep. I'm, yeah. I'm heard. I'm sure Garden Hire's doing well. He was a good yeah. dude, right? Like, the, the, I had no qualms, you know, issues with him. He just, you know, uh, he was he was basically getting a paycheck there at the end of his career. I think. I think he, he was playing. I think he was playing Dominican Winter League. I think he was. I think he's pretty sure he was playing. Garden Hire? No, no. You talk about Ronnie, Ronnie Rodriguez. Yeah. I think he's out of shape. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh no, I'm Garden Hire. He has a palatial cabin on a lake in Minnesota. He's doing his fishing and his hunting. Maybe go bowling on Friday night because he's a good bowler. He's living a good life, I'm sure, somewhere. I mean, the, the one that that always reminds me of him is when they he like used his like Epson inkjet printer to to print out an image of the the you know the World Series championship trophy and, and like scotch taped it to the ward the wall to the clubhouse. I'm like, he's like, if you don't think we're gonna win that, then don't come in here. I'm like, well. All right, that's that's a solid bit of motivation, I guess. But it was it was a real Ted Lasso hanging the sign type thing. So, are you guys familiar with Conan O'Brien? Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. The Do you remember the random bits he would do where he would play? Just uh, it was what was Walker, that bit he did? Walker, Walker Texas, Texas Ranger? Ranger. Yeah. So I have an idea to to honor the 2019 Tigers. We're going to be playing something that I, I think we can all appreciate. Oh, we lost you. I lost you. We're going home. We're going home. Yeah. Oh, three round walk off. Nice. Yeah. First home run of the year. And Dixon highlights. Here we go. John, we get some John Hicks highlights. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, this is all his against, home runs. It gets Tigers great Michael Pineda. Yeah. Ooh. That. Future Damn. Tigers great. Detroit Degenerate wants to know if anybody wants to hop on Fortnite after this. <laughs> uh, like, look, honestly, I'll if, if somebody can teach me how to play that game better, I always get smoked. But I haven't played that game in a long time. A lot of it about it, I, I, I actually play it every day now because Harrison uh, got into it. And then so I'm leveling up like four times every day. Uh, a lot of it is about where you land. Got to find you. Got to know the good spot to get the good weapons early. All right. Well, I mean, while we're at it, we're just gonna. I think we're gonna make this a regular segment. I asked you a trivia. They were they were pretty hard. They were rookie yeah. of the year, uh, like rookie of the year trivia questions that didn't necessarily have anything to do with the Tigers. I was just happened to be going through. Oh, that's what I was. I was looking to see which. This is yeah. This is super draft nerd stuff that maybe Jim Callis would get. Which drafts produced the most rookies of the year? Things like that. Yeah, that was a center going, and I, I don't want to look at the internet or anything like that. That was, it, that was it, it's hard to even know that unless you're a giant draft nerd. I will tell you that the maybe I shouldn't, but whatever. Um, we can talk about it off here. Yeah, we'll talk about this off there until next week. Have a good week, everybody. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Yeah.